0: We're recording this at about 20 after 2 on Sunday, January 5th, 2020. Almost messed that up. Uh, so by the time you hear this, Canada has beaten Russia for the gold medal in the World Junior Tournament, and we're well on our way to World War Three for completely unrelated reasons. <laughs> Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast. Happy new decade to all, and to all a good last one, I guess, hopefully.
1: Yeah, how good could their last decade be, because we were only around for... Like, one twentieth of it.
0: Like this podcast, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've heard many people say that this is a significant change in their lives. <laughs> Real
1: improvement to finish off the decade.
0: <laughs> Anyways, hopefully everyone's had a happy holiday season and whatnot, and we're back to it, so uh, we can keep you mildly entertained while you're back to your busy schedules in January.
1: While you're definitely hitting the gym for at least two weeks before you totally give up exactly yeah you can listen to us on the treadmill
0: right yeah that <laughs> no comment
1: <laughs>
0: so i guess let's just start off with uh our little scorecard how poorly we did with our predictions last episode
1: i'm interested because i've put no effort into remembering or seeing what our predictions were so i
0: know i had to listen to our last episode because i didn't write them down last
1: time <laughs> Hit me, Stu. What did we do? So, we
0: predicted a bit of a longer period. We took some time off. So, we predicted between December 15th and January 3rd, okay? Okay. The Oilers and Flames both had eight games. Before I tell you how we predicted, their records were both 3-4-1. Oh, okay. So, last episode, we talked about how they were tied in the standings. Mm -hmm. Guess what? They're still tied in the standings. Funny how that works. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. So... Uh anyways, with the Oilers, uh I thought they would go four and eight. You thought they would go three and eight. So you were actually dead on, and I was only a little bit wrong. <laughs> but I guess that doesn't matter when you were dead on.
1: Wait, three and eight, you mean three and five?
0: Three out of eight. Oh,
1: 3 Sorry. out of eight. Gotcha. Uh
0: with the Flames, we were both a bit more optimistic.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah. Hmm. What what happened two <laughs> weeks ago that made us optimistic? I don't know, but uh I thought they would win five out of eight,
0: and you thought they would win six. And again. They only got three.
1: That's pretty bad.
0: Another thing that we predicted last episode we don't have to talk much about was uh, the Battle of Alberta game. Oh, no, I, sorry. What was that? You were rumbling over there. <sighs> yes, we had our first Battle of Alberta game. Yeah, this we did. Season. Uh, I predicted the Oilers would win for some reason. <laughs> you predicted the Flames would win. It's good to have hope. The Flames whooped the Oilers. They did. 5-1. Uh, I don't have much to say about that game. I don't know if you want to expand on it.
1: It it was a whooping. I mean, we don't really have to get too much in-depth on that, because it would mostly just make you sad. If it makes you feel better, the Flames have pretty much given up playing hockey since then. But, uh, I guess they figured... Beating the Oilers was good enough for the season.
0: All they needed. That was their New Year's resolution. (laughs) It out of the way in December.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It was just an interesting game to watch because of how the Flames just kind of jumped on the Oilers 11 seconds in, scored a goal right away just like that. And then at the beginning of each period, they did somewhat the same thing. They would come out and immediately bang in a goal. So, I mean, beyond that, it was mostly... It wasn't even that dominant of a game by the Flames. I think they just came out of the dressing room and got their goal and then kind of held the Oilers off for the rest of the period. And it wasn't like the Flames just utterly dominated them. It's just they got their goals at opportune times and the Oilers didn't really muster up much. So I was just happy to see Mike Smith get put into the game for Koskinen and then immediately get scored on. That That was my favorite part of the game personally.
0: Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I was uh, out of the province, and for some reason, I was still regionally blacked out and unable to watch it live, (laughs) but after seeing the results, I'm kind of glad I missed it. Yeah,
1: you didn't miss much in terms of us breaking it down for the podcast. I think we can leave it at the Flames did well, the Oilers did not so well. Let's move on. Let's move on. There will be more this year. Yes. So, uh, do you want to talk about the Flames first? I do, actually. I'm not going to really talk about how they did over the last couple weeks or since the last episode, because we actually have a trade alert, trade announcement, breaking news. Uh, A couple of days ago, Michael Froelich got traded from the Flames to the Buffalo Sabres for a fourth round pick, and I kind of wanted to talk about that. A, because I'm always interested in trades, no matter how dull they might seem, and B, I don't really know what's going on with the Flames and I don't want to try to dissect why they're <laughs> the most inconsistent team ever. So we're going to talk about the League trade for a little bit. And I think I'm going to kind of break it down for people that don't really care about trades or they read about a trade and they're like, okay, like why would they do that? You know, Because there's lots of people that watch hockey and love hockey, but don't really care about the minutiae of things like trading for fourth round picks. And that's totally fine. But I kind of wanted to give a little info on maybe why the Flames did that You're for gonna people. going to make them care. I'm going to make them care. <laughs> I'm going I'm to tell them why they did that and why it's kind of interesting and why it should make us a little bit excited as Flames fans. So five years ago, Michael Froelich got signed by the Flames by Brad Living on uh, July 1st as the unrestricted free agent. And he was signed for $4.3 million per year. And over that time, he's been a pretty good signing. I mean, when you look at recent UFA signings by the Flames, James Neal, <laughs> it, you know, sometimes paying big money for people on free agency doesn't work out. Milan <laughs> Lucic, Just for instance, you know. So leak over the four years that he played, full four years that he played in Calgary, he got 32, 44, 25, and 34 points over those four years. And he did pretty good. And if you watch the Flames regularly, I think you know that beyond those points, when you see Froelich on the ice, he's always given all of his effort. And he's a very good defensive player. All of the fancy stats back that up. He always... Seems to have a majority of possession of the puck with his line mates and he starts in the defensive zone a lot because he's pretty good at defense as a forward. So he got decent point totals. He's a hard worker. By all accounts, he's a good dude to be around. He's always happy and he's a good defensive player. However, his contract is up at the end of this year. He hasn't been doing amazing this year. He's been more or less the same just with a few less points. And the flames are still paying him actually $3 million per year because of how contracts work. His, his salary cap hit is $4.3 million per year. That's how much he counts towards a salary cap, but the flames were only paying him $3 million because of how money works in the NHL. (laughs) You can kind of spread it around the contract. So what happened is that the flames decided we would prefer to have the space, the cap space on a roster. They have a, a lot of forwards. Some people are getting shuffled in another lineup that aren't really happy about it. And Fraleek is making a lot of money to kind of play on the fourth line. And the Flames don't have room for him beyond that. And they don't really want to put him on like the second line anymore. It's just kind of a whole muddy situation. So they found Buffalo, who's really hurting for players. Their players are dropping like flies to injury. So Calgary said, hey, we'll, we'll, Send you Michael Froelich, get you a little help. He can play, you know, on your second line or whatever, and we'll take a fourth-round pick. So it might sound like they just kind of got rid of him for nothing, but that's not true. Fourth-round picks, yeah, they're kind of nothing. (laughs) Uh, I'm just going to go over the Flames' fourth-rounders that they've picked. Not all of them. That's a lot. (laughs) But some that stand out. The Flames became a team in, what, 1983? I'm not going to even fact-check that. I'm totally right. Nineteen
0: eighty, wasn't
1: it? Sure. <laughs> I think it was nineteen eighty. No, the saddle dome was built in eighty three. There you go. That's the that's the number I had in my head. Uh since then the fourth rounders of note that they've picked were Robert Reichel in eighty-nine, he played eight hundred NHL games. If you're far older than me, you probably remember him. Uh Tony Lidman in ninety-six, he played eight hundred and fifty NHL games. That's pretty good. TJ Brody was a fourth round pick in two thousand eight, and he's still playing for the Flames, and he's a good player. Uh, Someone named Johnny Goadru, yeah, something like that. He was drafted in 2011. I hear he gets a lot of points. And most recently, Brett Kulak. He doesn't play with the Flames anymore, but he's still a pretty good defenseman with Montreal. The Flames had too many players on D and they traded him a while ago. But he's he was a fourth-round pick from them and he's still playing in the NHL. So... Currently, about 7% of the players in the NHL were fourth-round picks. That's not really very many, is it? So if you're looking at this trade and you see Microfro League for a fourth-round pick, you're like, wow, that's really really basically trading him for a lottery ticket. But the fact of the matter is now the Flames have $4.3 million in cap space that they didn't have before. That's what this trade is about. Now they have flexibility to go out and find something, somebody that can fit a specific need on their team. Someone who's big and has a right-handed shot and is good on the right wing and scores a lot of goals and is not named James Neal, probably. So that's kind of a rundown of how this trade worked. Is that it's not just Michael Froelich for some lottery ticket because they didn't like him. It's that now the Flames are hopefully going to go out and target someone specifically that they think they need they cleared up a lot of confusion about who was playing each night and guys were sitting that didn't want to sit so now there's one extra spot on the roster and little bonus they get a fourth round pick maybe they get another johnny gaudreau out of it i doubt it but it could (laughs) happen so that's the trade that's why it happened i'm excited because brad Living has stated we didn't make this trade just to Have cap space lying around. We're going to use it, which means they're going to do something, hopefully, make a move before the trade deadline to fill that spot that Frolek has left and uh, fill the money that he left behind, too. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. And a final little fun fact about this trade is that fourth round pick isn't Buffalo's, it's actually San Jose's. This is the fourth team that this pick has belonged to. So it's kind of made the rounds. I'll be interested to see who they pick with it and if they ever pan out because that will be that would be a great trivia question <laughs> in about 20 years. So, Michael League, you were a good player for the Flames, but he has moved on. And, folks, that is why they made that trade. Now you know.
0: And now you care.
1: Now you care. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I can make people care, but I can make them know. That's, that's my breakdown of the Flames for this week because I really... I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about how they're playing right now. To be honest, it's it's way up and down. But I'll be interested to hear if you want to talk about how the Oilers are playing lately.
0: Yeah, it's uh, funny how you took that dodge because you don't want to talk about the Flames when they have a losing record, right? There's not much. Whatever you do, don't make a promise that you'll talk about them next time if they have another losing record. I never did. Because nope. last episode, I promised that I would explain <laughs> oh, all of the Oilers' yeah. problems if they had another losing record. Yeah, you did. They went 3-4-1. and one. They even won again since then, but we're not counting that. So, so close. I almost didn't have to talk about this. So, anyways... Would you like to know what my minutes and minutes of research came up with? (laughs) Minutes upon minutes, eh? It's a real big surprise. Okay. I hope you're sitting down for this. I am sitting down. It's a lack of depth scoring. Oh, Oh my (laughs) goodness. I just blew your freaking (laughs) mind. Yeah. So, to emphasize that point, the last time the Oilers won a game in which neither McDavid or Dreisaitl got a point, that was in 2017. Oh, boy. It was over two full years <laughs> ago. So uh, there's not really much else that needs to be said there.
1: No, that's a um, pretty pretty convincing stat right there.
0: Yeah, what, what I find interesting is the players that we have that aren't McDavid or Dreisaitl aren't like terrible players. They do get some goals, but only when also McDavid and Drysaddle are getting goals. So, like, I don't think Holland needs to sell our future to pick up a rental next month. I don't think that'll help us at all. Uh, Maybe we can fill in some pieces here and there. But really, I think the coaching team or somebody, their parents, just needs to tell them, (laughs) look, you're allowed to score even when McDavid and Dreisaitl are not scoring. Because they... Whenever McDavid and Andresso get a point, all of a sudden the rest of the team's like, oh, okay, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, win seven goal games. It's ridiculous. But for some reason, they just feel uneasy about scoring when those two aren't uh, playing well. So, anyways, I think that's pretty obvious to just say. That's their problem. That's their biggest problem, mm-hmm. uh, really. Maybe even their only problem. No, not quite. No, they've got lots of problems. <laughs> they got problems. That's definitely their biggest problem. But hey, they ended the decade fairly well because they won their first New Year's Eve game since 1985. Oh, well, congratulations! Yeah. So if you thought the uh, you know 2017 was a long time ago, <laughs> 1985, for those who don't know, was a longer time ago. That's crazy. Yeah, even though they almost blew a 6-1 lead in a single period to win that game, we won't go into too much detail there, but hey, they won a New Year's Eve game and that has not happened since 1985. So we'll cap off that decade <laughs> with a with a way too close that it should have been sort of win and we'll start off this one with a fresh slate or whatever they call it, blank slate. They, I mean they start. they beat Boston. They're
1: on a what, a two-game winning streak. That's true. They did beat Boston this decade. <laughs> nope, it's a one game winning streak. I'm sorry. But they did beat Boston. That's pretty good. Yeah. We'll give them that. It's true. So
0: who knows? Maybe brighter futures are ahead. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll talk more about that later
1: <laughs> in 2030. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is now time for Sellies and Scorn, the segment that the title will forever cause us grief as we discuss it. You know, outside of editing, because sellies and scorn. One of them is plural, <laughs> and one of them is not. <laughs> Sue, do you want to lead us off with your your favorite? Which one is your favorite that you picked?
0: I'll start with my sellie. Okay. Okay, my sellie is actually the Oilers in the 2010s. Wait, hear me out.
1: <laughs> well, okay, this is going to take some convincing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I understand your hesitation here. Just Just hear me out here for a second, okay? So the hockey news did an article of the greatest single-game performances of the decade.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I see where this is going.
0: And not only did two Oilers make the list, they topped it. And they're not McDavid or Dreisaitl. (laughs) That's amazing. So, single-game performances, best ones of the whole decade. Number two on the list was Ben Scrivens. For those who don't remember, Ben Scrivens was a goalie for the Edmonton (laughs) Oilers for... About six
1: minutes. (laughs) (laughs) They were glorious minutes, as you will tell us, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: So, in fact, two weeks after being dealt to the Oilers, he had a 59-save shutout against the Sharks back in January of 2014. And that was, like, uh, records for the franchise, records for the league. Obviously, I don't think I have to tell anyone that 59-save shutout is freaking incredible. (laughs) That's a lot. So, obviously, that was his um, reason for being put on the list at number two. And number one, of course, was Sam Gagne with his eight point night against Chicago in February of 2012. Uh, an eight point night for any single player has not happened since, I believe, '89. Probably Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. I didn't research this too far. <laughs> That's <but laughs> a safe guess, I would say. <laughs> so, and it, it hasn't happened since, like, again, eight points for one single player is. Incredible.
1: There's plenty of players that get less than 10 points in a season. So (laughs) eight points in a game is pretty ridiculous. Yeah,
0: that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So so yeah, number two and number one on this list of greatest performances within the decade. So yes, the Oilers only made the playoffs once in the entire decade, but you can't say it hasn't been entertaining hockey along the way. So I would like to celebrate the Oilers because I have enjoyed watching it. Watching them over the past ten years, despite some of the things I may have said over the past ten years.
1: (laughs) The Oilers are sometimes just a flash in the pan, but those flashes are spectacular. (laughs) Indeed they are. Alright, I might as well go ahead with my sally because it also has to do with the Oilers. What? Yeah. What? Hold on to your seats. Uh, Actually, my sally is for James Neal. Do you know why? Because a few episodes ago... Stu had a sally about a player who was very honest with the referees and told the ref that, hey, I didn't actually commit that penalty. And uh, the refs listened to him and they and they decided not to call the penalty. Well, James Neal, being the stand-up sort of fellow that he clearly is, did the same thing when a Buffalo player cleared the puck over the glass and the refs were going to call a delay of game penalty. And James Neal said, no, 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 wait. It hit my stick. It was a deflection. It's not a penalty. And the refs said, Okay. Uh, I didn't actually watch the game. I heard that Connor McDavid wasn't super impressed with this (laughs) because it was a tie game at the time when it got cleared over the glass and Buffalo went on to win that game in overtime. So congratulations, James Neal. I hope you feel like a good human for doing that. And you cost the Oilers a win, which is also (laughs) a great thing to celebrate as a Flames fan. It's 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 just a great thing to celebrate, I think, personally.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, <laughs> that was possibly going to be one of my sellies because uh, I always want to point out a player who takes the high road like that, right? Mm-hmm. I always want to bring attention to that. But I had this other article that needed to be my sellie, so and I figured you weren't going to let me do two sellies, so I've kind of hidden this one in <laughs> as my scorn. <laughs> You've hidden
1: your scorn. The scorn is a sellie? Yeah. A sellie is a scorn. Because
0: um, – My scorn is actually on McDavid for this exact thing. Really only to bring up the celebration of Neil, the secret Uh. Sally of Neil. But uh, yeah, the scorn is on McDavid because he he had the refs convinced it was a live game penalty. And sure, maybe he didn't see it. Maybe he actually thought that. But after Neil admitted what happened, McDavid was very, very, very upset with Neil. And so... uh, a uh, little bit of scoring no on McDavid for, come on. You know, it is what it is.
1: Why? Know? I'm like, I was sort of confused why Neil would do that if McDavid was trying to like get one past the refs. Because I think that's kind of all in good fairness gamesmanship in a way. Well,
0: again, I don't think McDavid was trying to get one past the refs. He probably legitimately thought it went straight out. Okay. Um, But then Neil just kind of confessed, no, that's not what happened. And fairness, fair gamesmanship or not, I honestly think Neil took the right approach because it's the honest approach. And yes, they lost that game. Uh, In overtime, we got one point out of it, right? Yeah, totally. Totally worth it. (laughs) One point for honesty. Uh, (laughs) But you you know what else is the selfish side of doing this sort of thing is every single ref is going to remember – Anytime James Neal comes to him and says, hey, this happened, they're going to believe him. Mm, That's true. I didn't Uh, think
1: of it that way. I
0: I think uh, not only – I think ultimately number one reason to do something like this is it's the best thing you should do. It's good Mm -hmm. for the game. It's good for the sport to be good sportsmen. But number two, selfishly, a ref is always going to believe you if you tell the truth when it detriments you. So – Uh, I I think it's always in your favor to get on the good side of the refs.
1: Playing the long game. I I see. (laughs) Yeah. Makes sense. Totally the plan. Well, (laughs) I'm just, I guess what's left is my scorn. And and Mm. it's very distantly Oilers related because (laughs) it has to do with Taylor Hall. (laughs) Oh, boy. Who is not on the Oilers anymore. But uh, as some of you may know, Taylor Hall, very recent MVP winner, got traded from the New Jersey Devils to the Arizona Coyotes. Kind of a big blockbuster trade is New Jersey's kind of going down in flames, and Arizona's actually pushing pretty hard for top of the Pacific division. So uh, they picked up Taylor Hall as a big goal scorer. And so what happens here is that when you bring in a new player and you want to post their picture all over your website and everything, you kind of don't want them wearing the other team's jersey that you just picked them up from. So, you know, you could get them out of the plane and bring them down to the rink and sit them in front of a backdrop and say, hey, can we, can we snap a quick picture and can you throw on this Arizona Coyotes jersey? Or you could take their picture from the previous team and you could Photoshop a jersey on of your own team which I think is that's fair. It's yes. kind of lazy, but it's it's a fair way to go. And then... <laughs> For some inexplicable reason, you could Photoshop or filter their face to change their neutral, non-smiling face into a weird, creepy, pain <laughs> smile of torture. I. This is what happened with Taylor Hall. His picture for the Arizona Coyotes, which has probably been remedied by now, but I haven't looked. Arizona just took his picture from New Jersey, Photoshopped an Arizona jersey on, which I think is fine, and then like, filtered his face or something to create this smile. But as they say, you can tell when someone isn't smiling with their eyes, especially when it's been Photoshopped. When they just kind of curve your mouth up but your eyes stay the same, it creates this, like, dead, please help me, I'm trapped (laughs) look. And that's what happens. So I'm sorry that this is an audio format and I can't show you a picture, but if you Google Taylor Hall Arizona headshot or something like that you'll probably come up with a picture of it it's really <laughs> it's hilarious and kind of creepy the way he looked for that picture so clean it up Arizona just get the guy to sit in a chair and take a picture of him for goodness sake you don't need to photoshop him that's weird
0: all right so now we're gonna predict how well or how poorly uh, the two Alberta teams are gonna do over the next couple weeks uh, we figured we'd go from about January 6th to January 17th. So let's start with the Flames, who have five games in that time. How well do you think they're going to do?
1: Well, I got the Flames going 3-2. and two. Again, it's a little bit optimistic maybe because it's over 500, but they, uh, they play the Blackhawks, the Wild, the Canadians. Those teams aren't... Particularly threatening, I think the Flames can take them out. They also play the Maple Leafs, who have been scorching hot after yep. their coaching change. So I don't see that going too well for the Flames. And I also have the Flames losing to the Oilers. Whoa, way to bury the lead there! Yeah, <laughs> Battle of Alberta is happening on January 11th already. Their four Battle of Albertas this year are kind of happening in a very short span. So <clears throat> I have the Flames losing to the Oilers in that one on the 11th, because the Flames have been really inconsistent lately. So, I mean, honestly, it's just kind of a blind shot in the dark.
0: Um, Yeah, we're going to have to come up with a bit of a tiebreaker because I said all the exact same things you did. Perfect. I think they're going to win three out of the five as well uh, for the same reasons you said. You know, they're not doing well, but there's some easy teams in there. Uh, I also think the Oilers are going to win this time. I said that last time, but... With this time, there's no way they don't come back angry after that That's last true. game. Like they're going to be throwing everything they got to flames. Whereas the flames will not care quite as much. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, um, I guess we have to guess how many OT losses they're going to have out of those two games.
1: I guess that kind of seems like a slim pickings there. <laughs> <laughs> slim pickings. <laughs> Do you think the Battle of Alberta will go to overtime? No, no. You know what? <laughs> I think I'll take the Battle of Alberta going to overtime.
0: Okay, we'll call that our tiebreaker.
1: Yeah, call that the Flames taking an OT loss. Okay, alright. Sounds good. And for Edmonton, I have them going a even 2-2. Two two. <laughs> I mean, they have roughly the same schedule. They run into the same red-hot Maple Leafs and I don't see that going well for either team. Nope. Because <laughs> when the Leafs are red-hot, they got good players that that can really put you down. So... Yeah, I'm taking the Oilers at two and two. What do you got? <laughs> yep, you have a two and two, don't you? <laughs> yep,
0: I do. <laughs> yep. Uh I I almost had them at one. Ooh. But uh, you know, based on their win over the Rangers, who are an easy team, and their win over Boston, who are a much more difficult team, they seem to be picking something up. So but they do have some pretty hard teams in the schedule. Um so it's a, well, and some easy teams, so which means it'll be a wash. Yeah. I think they're going 500, just like you do. um Again, uh, you know what? Let's just say we're both saying two, four. Who knows? Maybe we'll both be
1: right. <laughs> what are the likelihood of that? Likelihoods, odds. <laughs> what are the likely odds of that? <laughs> And with that, it's time to wrap this episode up. Thank you all for listening once again. We really appreciate it. Uh, Our theme song is Lose Your Head by Apache Tomcat. And please be sure to rate the show, like it, subscribe to it, write comments. All of that really helps us get the word out. Tell your friends and your family. The more people that have exposure, the more it will get spread, just like a really bad disease. So (laughs) thank you very much for listening, and join us for next episode in a couple of weeks.